So, at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus said, Wait in Jerusalem until power comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so if you were in Jerusalem and you're from Galilee, when Jesus says in Jerusalem, you're thinking, whoa, that's right here. Like right where we are, where you were just killed and you came back to life right here in this city. And Judea is the, the countryside around the city of Jerusalem. The whole southern area is Judea. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Ugh. Who wants to go to Samaria? That's where all those Samaritans are. We don't even want to set foot in there. But they're the next place. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Galilee is way up there. And that's where we're from, right? That's where a lot of the disciples were from. Jesus doesn't even mention that. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, on, everywhere, as far as you can go. And he says, that's where you're going to be my witnesses. He doesn't say, you guys need to go be my witnesses. He says, you are going to be my witnesses. Stay in Jerusalem until power comes upon you that my father promised. There's another part where he says, the the promised spirit from my father will be given to you. And then go. Go into all nations, make disciples. There's some ways that you can translate it that some people say it's on your way as you're going. So it's like they're not going to go to make disciples. They're going to go for other reasons. And as they're going, make disciples. All of that is at the beginning of Acts. So now we're in chapter 5. That was chapter 1. Chapter 2, the promised Holy Spirit came upon them and it was Pentecost. That was chapter 2. Stay in Jerusalem until the gift of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you're going to go be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Chapter 3, did they leave? No, they were in the temple courts enjoying the favor of all the people. Remember that? And they healed the guy that was lame from birth at the gate and they got thrown in jail. Peter and John got thrown in jail. They were brought to court the next morning and they said, quit preaching this name of Jesus. That was all of Acts chapter 4. They went back. Where did they go? Back to the temple courts that are in Jerusalem. I'm reminding you here again, they're still in Jerusalem. Chapter 2, they got the Holy Spirit. When you get the Holy Spirit, wait in Jerusalem until you get the Holy Spirit. Chapter 4, they're still in Jerusalem. Wait a minute, guys. Come on, team. And um, chapter 4, they were all together and they kind of get, we got a little anecdote of what daily life is like. And how people are selling their property and laying it at the apostles' feet. And all of this action is happening. Ananias and Sapphira, that whole bit happened. 
And now we are in Acts chapter 5, verse 12. (gasps) Many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. They were all together. Where? In Jerusalem still. Chapter 5, we're still in Jerusalem. In Solomon's portico. None of the rest of the people dared to join them. But the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So that even they they even carried out the sick into the streets. Laid them on cots and mats. So that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem. (gasps) What's that? That's Judea. The people gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, now they're starting to be witnesses in Judea, but they haven't gone to Judea. Does that make sense? Judea is coming to them. All the outlying villages and towns, that's Judea. They're all coming... So some of this is just really cool, but you only see it if you watch a movie or if you really like super slow down. People want to be in Peter's shadow. So I don't know about you, but if you're walking into church this morning and you noticed your shadow, it's not very big. It's not a very big thing, right? So in order to be in Peter's shadow... A, the people have to be really close to him and really crowded. Or B, Peter is going there early in the morning when his shadow is really long. And he's leaving late in the day where his shadow is really long the other way. I think some of this is a hint to how much time they were spending there. They would go there in the early morning. They would go there as soon as they could. Early in the day, we want to talk to as many people as possible about Jesus. He said that they spent the time there. They they were there every day in this this portico. So you might have a study Bible that has a really cool map, really cool design of the temple. There are sections of the temple that are like giant courtyards, like a football field. So just, it's, you know, it says the temple... The temple is just a section of this whole giant complex of buildings and houses and walls and balconies. Um, It's almost like a resort. It's like a really huge resort where there's there's places where people live. There's places where people work. There's a wall around the whole thing. There's a giant field. Maybe it's like a college campus, like a small, like, like a U of E campus, not a USI campus where there's these various buildings but they're all in this one area and they refer to the whole area as the temple. This place that's Solomon's colonnade or Solomon's portico it's one of the entrances so think of if you go to Eastland Mall and you're going to meet somebody at Eastland Mall you might say meet me at the entrance by Old Navy. So you're not at Old Navy, but there's that entrance, and that entranceway is this big open area. Meet me at the food court. Well, the food court's massive, right? And you could go there at the food court, and there'd be all these people at the food court, and you'd see your friend and be like, hey, there you are. So Solomon's portico is this giant area that could hold 
thousands of people. It has some raised platforms of steps going up into the various buildings. So somebody, like Peter, could stand on one of those raised platforms that goes up into a building or in a doorway, and he could talk to a whole crowd, and he could teach. So you could have Peter up on these steps talking to this crowd. You could have John over here just saying, okay, everybody, everybody's crippled. You just line up here, and I'm going to walk down, and Jesus is going to heal all of you. And there's all these healings going on. So this whole thing is happening in this section of the temple. The high priest rose up. Now remember, John and Peter have already been arrested in the evening, held overnight, brought to court in the morning, and the the court said, quit preaching in this name. And yet here they are. So the high priest rose up and all who were with him. So now you got the high priest and his council. And they, it's the party of the Sadducees. And they're full of jealousy. And they arrest the apostles. They put them in public prison. So they've been there before. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all of the words of this way of life. Keep preaching. Keep going. So the first time they were thrown in jail, they spent the night in jail. They got out in the morning. They were questioned, sent away, right? Now they're thrown in jail by the high priest, a little, little higher court, a little more pressure, and an angel lets them loose in the middle of the night. So do you think that they, they're like, this is our chance. We got to get out of town. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It's ends of the earth time. Let's go. Not yet. When they heard this, this is verse 21. They entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So it was their habit and it was their custom. As soon as we can get into the temple, as soon as the doors are open, that's where people are coming from all around to draw near to Yahweh. And Yahweh has sent his son to die for our sins and he's raised from the dead. And now Yahweh dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. We want to tell as many people about it as we can. So let's go where all the people are seeking. There's a time when um, me and my buddies were big into going to Christian music festivals. And anything that was in like two or three hours, we would try to go to the music festival and see all these bands and be outside, and it was awesome. And there would be, after the show, there would be an autograph, where uh, an autograph tent, and there'd be, you know, all these Christian rock stars would be in the tent, and the line would go out, you know, hundreds of people waiting to get the autograph of, of Third Day or Audio Adrenaline or Skillet or, you know, all these bands, Jars of Clay, all these. And so me and my buddies were like, man, we just want to pray for people. Where can we find people that would be receptive to get prayed for and that we could talk to? So we went into these autograph lines. We went all the way to the front of the autograph line. And then people would yell at us, hey, you can't cut. We're like, we're not cutting. 
we're working our way to the back of the line and we're praying for anybody that wants us to pray for them on our way to the back of the line. Well, then people would kind of shut up and not get mad that we were in the front of the line. And those experiences were incredible. And we would just work our way. And we just, hey, we're working our way to the back of the line. We're praying for everybody on our way. How can we pray for you? And people would tell us. And there were youth group kids that got dragged by their neighbor that had never been around Christian stuff before. There were youth group leaders that, you know, the spouse had cancer or just horrible things. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And do you know what happened? We Nothing but receptive people. Nobody said no. Because we were in this place where everybody was seeking to grow in the Lord and to grow in Him. So, Peter and John, as soon as the sun is up, where is the place where people are seeking God? I want to go there and I want to tell them about it. They entered the temple at daybreak. They began to preach. Now the high priest finished his exquisite breakfast and his bacon and rolled into church. No, he didn't. The high priest came. Peter and John have hours of head start on this high priest. Just think that through for a minute. He's coming into his office hours. Peter and John have already been back in the temple courts since sunup preaching Jesus. When the high priest came, those who were with him, they called together the council. All right, council, everybody get together. All the senate of the people of Israel. Peter and John getting a bigger and bigger head start all morning long. The senate of the people, when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked. The guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. So your first thought is, they escaped. We're done with them. We don't have to worry about them anymore. They've fled. Is this bad? Is it bad that they escaped? Because they're gone, right? (laughs) Then word comes. Look, the men that you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. They're back at it. They've been going for hours already. They got a huge crowd listening. Captain went with the officers and brought them, but not by force because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. So, we got to talk about Luke for a minute. Luke is super smart. And he is a really, really good storyteller. And when you read the book of Acts, it's not, um, let's see, I want to say this the exact right way. It is real history of really what happened. But just like I'm going to tell a story different than Jim Carnahan's going to tell a story, different than Levi's going to tell a story, Luke is telling this story in a way that he already knows everything that happened. And a lot of the people that he's talking to, a small portion of them, I guess, will already know everything that's going to happen. And so when he says that they arrested him, they arrested them, but not with force because they were afraid that the people would stone them, just realize that that's an actual thing to be afraid of. 
that the whole mob could get angry at any moment, pick up stones and stone somebody dead. And you'd have somebody killed by this mob mentality. The high priest, and the high priest, who is going to be the most powerful people here? Is it not going to be the high priest? But the high priest guards are genuinely afraid that the mob of thousands of people will get mad and stone them to death if they violently arrest Peter and John. So tension is high. I mean, these guys are, they're trying to, how do we do this? So they don't take it by force. They, and, and just the fact that Peter and John came. So Peter and John could have said, I'm not leaving until unless you take me by force. But they didn't. When they brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them. So Peter and John go and they comply with the high priest guards that threw them in prison yesterday. They said, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Nice. You get a little status report. How good are we doing? The high priest says, you filled Jerusalem with this teaching. Yes. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So they're also hearing part of the message that Jesus was killed. That all of Jerusalem knows that they were killed. And it's the high priest and his council that killed Jesus. Hmm. Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. Now, if this sounds familiar, this is the same speech. A couple words are different. But remember how Peter in Acts 3 was pointing the finger. You killed Jesus. He's doing it again. He's not afraid of them. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Oh, okay. So to just say that God would give his spirit to somebody and to say that God, that Jesus, this man would be God and that he would forgive people's sins. Remember when, when Jesus said to the, the paralyzed guy, your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and walk, right? That whole thing. How angry they were. Only God can forgive sins. Peter has just like served them a sandwich of offense. Just layer upon layer of forgiveness. And the, your witnesses. And now the Holy Spirit's been given. They were enraged and they wanted to kill them. They wanted to kill them right there. But a Pharisee. Now remember, this is a council of Sadducees. There's a Pharisee among them in the council, and his name is Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people. He stood up and he gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. So Gamaliel isn't a part of the Sadducee council. He's a Pharisee, but he's so well respected and loved by the people that he just stood up in this council and told the Sadducees' guards, the high priest's guards, take these guys outside for a minute. I want to talk to y'all. And they did it. So 
Gamaliel is, is an authority, but he is a different kind of authority. He's not a part of the council. He's not a part of the Sadducees. He's a Pharisee. But he just ordered the Sanhedrin's guards to do something, and they do it. Okay? So I want you to grasp the gravity of him and how he is respected. He says... Men of Israel, take care of what you are about ready to do with these men. For before the days, Thutius rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census, and they drove some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered." Here's all these dudes that raise up. They get a whole bunch of people after them. They die. They get killed off, whatever. And the whole thing fizzles out. In the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fall. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. You might be fighting against God if this is a God thing. So they took his advice. Gamaliel is just a little, he's just a little bit, hmm, this is, you know, there's a whole bunch of people getting healed. Those other guys had hundreds. These guys have thousands. These things all fizzled out. So let's just, Gamaliel kind of wants to sit and watch and see, you know, how this turns out. And what happens here? Hmm, interesting. All right, so just for no reason at all, let me flip over to Acts 22. Gamaliel, that sounds familiar. There's something that happens with him. Acts 22.3. The Apostle Paul is being tried in a court And he's being questioned by a city and he's being arrested and all this business. They think he's an Egyptian revolutionary that caused all kinds of war against the Romans. And Paul gets up and he says, hey, 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 I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia. I was brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. According to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, I'm zealous for God like all of you are. And Gamaliel was like the top Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Oxford rabbi of teachers. Um, the historians wrote that when the day that Gamaliel died, all adherence to the law and abstinence from sin completely failed. And just the whole world just went to hell in a handcart. It was just like Gamaliel was the last great hope for the Pharisees and the law and the Torah. Gamaliel was a huge, huge, huge big deal. And here he is in the court and his number one student is Saul, who Paul or who Luke traveled with through most of the book of Acts. While the whole book of Acts is getting written... Luke is traveling with Saul, who is Paul, who is Gamaliel's, Gamaliel, number one rabbi teacher, Gamaliel's number one student, Saul, who turns into Paul. Awesome, right? 
So you get this thing, wow, what if Gamaliel was just like, you know what? This might be of God. This might be a thing. We need, to, we need to pay attention to this and not just shut it down. If it is God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. The Sanhedrin, who don't even believe the same things the Pharisees believe, listened to Gamaliel. They called the apostles back. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Okay, hold on. <laughs> they beat them. Uh, that was really bad. It wasn't a Roman flogging that Jesus got. It was a Jewish flogging. So um, they beat you on the back. 39, 39 whip, whip hits. Um, because in the law, you can't whip a criminal more than 40 times. Or it humiliates them too much. It's too humiliating to be whipped more than 40 times. So they would have somebody count and they would stop at 39 just to make sure if you miscounted, you wouldn't break the law and go over and humiliate them too much. So James and John, at this point, they've been in jail. They were out in verse three or in chapter three. They came out the next morning. They were told not to preach anymore. They were thrown in jail in chapter five and an angel let them out. And they went back and they preached again. Now they've been brought in and they've been flogged and they were let go. They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Yes, we did it. We were worthy to be so dishonored. As to be whipped 39 times. And every day in the temple and house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. That the Messiah is Jesus. They didn't stop. They kept going. And they considered the fact that they were whipped and beaten as a sign of their worthiness. A sign of their excitement. Yes, we are preaching this. I mean, if they remember Jesus said at the Last Supper, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they wanted to kill me, they're going to want to kill you. Now, does this mean we should start measuring our success by how many people hate us and want to kill us? No, because that's easy, right? We just go be jerks. Everybody doesn't like us. Good. We're doing great. No. Preach forgiveness of sins, that all who call on the name of the Lord would be saved, even so-and-so, even these people. If these people call on the Lord to be saved and they'll be saved, that's going to make somebody angry. Somebody's going to be like, oh, they shouldn't get saved. I don't think God's arms are open wide enough to welcome her in or him in. And that's where the conflict begins, right? That's where... That's where all that happens. We're not going to go to chapter 6, but I'm going to give you a hint. So, they're trying to figure out how to go to Mars, right? Not in the Bible, in life right now. They're trying to figure out how to get to Mars. And it's going to take a whole lot of fuel to get to Mars, because you've got to get 
out of the Earth's gravity. You have to go all the way to Mars. You have to get there. And more and more they're talking about um, the way to get to Mars is from the moon. That you're either going to go land on the moon and then you're going to take off from the moon and go to Mars. Or you're going to go and you're going to orbit around the moon and you're going to pick up all the speed and wing and slingshot off the moon off to Mars in that way. We're in Acts 6. And Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem until you get the Holy Spirit. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I think the, uh, the disciples, they don't have enough rocket power to get out of Jerusalem. They don't, have enough, they don't have enough fuel to get out of Jerusalem. There's some other thing that they need that's going to slingshot them off into Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We've been, it's, Luke has been hinting at it a couple different times, little murmurs here and there, right? When these guys have been thrown in jail, they've been yelled at. They get thrown in jail, they get yelled at more, and an angel releases them. They get arrested again and they get whipped and flogged. We don't know who all got it. We can assume it was probably Peter and John because they were the main two that got arrested before. But it says the apostles, it could have been even more of them. And what's going to happen is hardship and persecution is going to be that slingshot that's going to get the disciples out of Jerusalem. This is an, what, what uh, storytellers call an inciting incident. Here we are, team. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we can sit here and we can read this and we can be like, guys, you should have left Jerusalem in chapter 2. You should have gone home with all those people that went back to all their lands. Here we are. We should be doing something. Jesus said we would be his witnesses. And so we have opportunity with everybody we run into to serve them somehow, to love them, to tell them. I, just, uh, you know, Peter would get up in the early morning as soon as the temple was open and go to preach about Jesus. Now that doesn't mean that if, okay, that means I'm going to get up early and go out and start talking about Jesus That's not going to give you the zeal, right? He got up early because he loved Jesus. And he wanted to talk about Jesus. He wanted to tell as many people about Jesus as he could. And so instead of telling all of you and telling all of me and and us, we should go and be evangelists and have zeal. Instead, I think we need to pray. Because here we are sitting in Jerusalem waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. And it would benefit us to pray, Lord, send your Holy Spirit on me. Give me that power to get out of Jerusalem, to get out of my Jerusalem. Because I know you want to be, Jesus wants to be in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. There are people that we think, if I mention, you know, we think of as Samaritans, that we don't even want to talk about them. 
And those are the people that Jesus loves so much. And he wants to go to and he wants to reach. So, pay attention. There's things happening to us as we're circling Jerusalem that we, don't, we think we don't have the power to get out and to go out and to reach out. And Jesus works in our current events and he works in our circumstances to strengthen us to go do those things. That With this Holy Spirit in us, we got power. We can go to Neptune. I mean, we can do it all. Um, because Jesus empowers us and strengthens us to do it. So, All right, let's pray. Lord, fill us with your fervor. Fill us with your passion. May we be passionate and devoted about nothing else, Lord, but telling people about you and proclaiming your forgiveness and proclaiming your salvation. We thank you so much that you send your Holy Spirit upon us to strengthen us and to empower us. And Lord, we don't want to take it for granted and we don't want to wrap it up in cotton and put it on a shelf and celebrate your Holy Spirit. We want, we want to be used by you and we want to be empowered by you. Thank you so much, Lord, for showing us mercy and doing these things in us. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right.